Alright, welcome back you guys to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today we have an, another amazing guest. Her name is Mary Claire Brescia. Say hello. Hello everybody. Uh, so to start off really easily, what do you have planned for this weekend? <laughs> what do I have planned for this yeah. weekend? Um, let's see, I have one son who has a track meet. And then we have lacrosse practice. I'm, I'm a mom of uh, teenage sons. I have oh, two in awesome. college, in high school. So right now we're, we're kind of having the end of the tail end of all the um, sports going on. So it's like, I know it's, in, you know, ultimately he's going to get older and go to college. So we're kind of savoring it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, busy moms. That's a whole, right. like all the clients that I train are like that. I'm like, oh, so what are you doing this weekend? Well, we're going to go to hockey practice, and then we got soccer, and then we got a tournament. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> right, right. We used to have three sons at the same time doing everything, and now it's just one left. And uh, so it's like we're willing to go to everything at this point. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so well, let's go into who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Mary Claire Brescia. I live in New Jersey. Um I am a nutrition coach at One by One Nutrition. I work with uh, Georgie Fear, who you've already had on here, Josh Hillis, Roland Fisher, uh, Cara Butel, and Sarah Campbell, who I think has also been on this podcast before. Yep. Um, so um, I coach people from my home. I do have online clients uh, in the U.S. and Canada and the U.K., uh, some people for basic weight loss type coaching as well as just people trying to get to a normal relationship with food. Like maybe they were previously like strict macro counters and maybe want to loosen up a little bit and not be so strict. Uh, and also um, one topic that's very dear to my heart is uh, binge eating, um, where I've seen uh, people kind of struggle with that. And it really just um, struck a chord with me and something I want to really help people with. So that's been a bit of a focus. Um, as far as how I got into this industry, that's it's always an interesting story, kind of like yours, Rafal, in terms of um, maybe, well, for me, it wasn't necessarily where I, my, my first direction. My undergraduate, I studied electrical engineering, and then I got my master's in electrical engineering, <laughs> and then I spent a number of years working for Bell Laboratories on uh, data communications networks for banks and airlines and things like that. So that was like the first part of my life, and um, I guess the science background was there, uh, but then, um, you know, the tech stock bubble burst and my company imploded and I ended up at home with toddlers and Jeez. a refrigerator <laughs> that was nearby. <laughs> so, so a lot of stress and less freedom. You know, it's not so easy to pack them up and run out the door. And um, I guess I ate to relieve stress or just to, you know, give myself something to do. And I had never had a weight issue before. So I think I didn't really understand all the consequences and I gradually just put on weight a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I didn't really pay much attention to it until finally, you know, 30 pounds later, you know, this was pretty unacceptable, I guess. And um, so myself and my own kind of journey that I went through, I had done Weight Watchers successfully and lost all the weight. And then my leader left and I kind of got off plan and gradually just gained it on back again. I right back to the same spot I was before, 30 pounds heavier. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And then, you know, then started all the diets, like the parade of diets, uh, two-day carb, Sonoma diet, uh, metabolic effect diet. And, you know, each one you learn something and you get something out of it, maybe even just new recipes. Um, 
So it was kind of frustrating. And I had to just started working out some. And I was like the person who would be like on the elliptical machine and, and, you know, do some really light dumbbells, that kind of thing. And I um, signed up for personal training with my, actually, I still work with the same person, Joe Ortega. And uh, we had, you know, he taught me how to really exercise. So then through extreme workouts and my fitness pal, you know, I lost the weight again, which was great. Okay. So now not only am I back to a nice, healthy weight, but I've got some muscle, which is awesome. And um, it also, uh, you know, the whole idea of personal training was fascinating to me. So I went ahead and got my own certification in that and onto corrective exercise and fitness nutrition specialist. So this was like a whole new field for me. And uh, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And then my weight started to tick up again. <laughs> oh, like, man. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to happen. And, you know, like everybody else, you know, I'm all over the web and I'm trying to hear what the latest supplement is. Like maybe if I took HMB, that's going to solve it. Um, and I heard a podcast with Georgie Fear. And the funny thing was the audio quality was terrible. And I was like listening and hanging on every word. And she just spoke about a new way of eating because it really came down to um, kind of the way you eat as opposed to specifically what you eat. And she just talked about eating three to four meals a day, uh, waiting until you're hungry before you eat, um, not overstuffing yourself, and you know just keeping a, a, a modest eye on what types of low nutrition foods you eat in your day. Like you don't want to obviously eat a lot of junk foods; you want to eat mostly whole foods. So when I heard that approach, it just made so much sense to me, and I um, joined up. So I spent some time with her using the program on myself uh, with a lot of success and a lot of wonderful, wonderful side benefits because lots of times when we're eating, um, and it's not because we're hungry or not even know why we're eating, it's the process of kind of tuning in to what you really need and what's really going on really is, is wonderful for many aspects of your life. Like all of a sudden you realize, wow, I'm not hungry, I'm stressed, or I'm not hungry, I'm tired or I'm not hungry, I'm actually overwhelmed. <laughs> so when you have all these other reasons, you can actually address them. Imagine that. Instead of actually eating food, you can actually address what's going on in your life. So yeah. it was just a fantastic process. And as a result of that, um, I just got more interested in this whole field. And she mentored me in coaching habits and then eventually uh, hired me as a coach, which um, has been absolutely wonderful. It's um, very uh, rewarding and um I've learned a lot myself, too, from going through all this with clients and seeing um, the struggles they go through. It certainly makes my perspective even healthier for myself than maybe it was even when I started. So um, anyway, so yeah, so kind of a strange circuitous route to get to this point, (laughs) (laughs) but here I am, so... No, that's awesome. I, yep. I like the stories of people where they're like in one different career and then they realize like, ah, oh, this is not really for me. And then they get into like fitness and nutrition and their whole life changes. And it's just amazing to hear stories like that. Right, right. I know I mentioned, I, I, I noticed you um, mentioned in your story that you had become a personal trainer and started working at a big box gym and then yeah. the whole sales thing kind of got to you. Yeah. I had a similar experience where I felt really like I was trying to be pushy and uh, I, I hated it. Yeah. So um, ended yeah, up more on this side of things. Yeah. When you have a quota and all you're thinking about is numbers and not the actual client, like the quality of the service goes way, way down. I hated that. Yeah. I hated it. I felt so uncomfortable. So I, I didn't get a chance to give it a try somewhere else like you did, which, you know, may, may have been also another way to go. But then I just kind of came into this. But yeah, I can appreciate that. So it's not did, easy. 
did you train any people like in person when you were at a gym? Uh, yes. No, okay. I was, I lasted two months. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. Um, you know, the time was too, I, my kids were younger then. And, uh, I think I had spring break was coming up and I'm like, I need to take this guy on college visits. And I, this boy, I'm putting him in baseball camp because I can't be home. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I just, it wasn't a good time. Just wasn't a good time either. So it was yeah. a couple of factors that kind of, you know, figured in. So if you had to like choose, so, do you prefer in-person training or do you like the whole idea of like online coaching the way that you're doing it right now? Um, you know what? I haven't done any nutrition coaching face-to-face. Okay. So I would like to try that at some time. But I'll tell you what's really nice about online coaching is, is is that you have a wider net, right? And this the process that we use doesn't make sense to everyone right off the bat, right? Because you yeah. know, some people just want to talk about should I chia seeds or should I eat flax seeds, you know, or give me a shake or give me a cleanse or you know, so um Many times when I talk with my friends about what I do or what I want to, if I make suggestions to them, they're, they're like just not in a place to hear it. And I think sometimes maybe you have to go through the diet cycle a few times before, you know, this approach makes sense. And so what's really nice about the internet coaching is that by the time people come to us, often they're ready. Like they're, they're, they're up for this type of an approach. So um, that's been really wonderful. Like it just, it seems like it's like a self-selection process and the clients that, that come through, uh, you know, lean habits and, uh, the book and, and Georgie are just, um, wonderful. And they're, they're kind of ready for what we have to offer and they benefit tremendously from it. So, um, so that's been great. So I don't have to push, I don't have to sell it. I don't have to walk up and down a gym floor and, uh, you know, (laughs) push myself. So this, that aspect of it is really nice. Yeah. Like I'm still kind of curious how, like, nutritionists and dietitians still have, you know, their business set up in the way where they have a little office and people come in and I'm like, the whole idea of like online coaching would be so much easier for these people. And you can service more clients that need help too. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, some people like, I know a couple of trainers from the gym I work at had set up a a storefront and I think they're being quite successful at it. Um, and maybe part of it is people actually can come in and buy stuff there and and (laughs) I don't know. Uh, and they probably train them too. So that kind of works, works together. Um, so I don't rule it out. It's just, I'm just not doing that right now. Sure. I I always kind of like, one, I'll ask other coaches what they think the future is going to look like for the fitness industry and the way everything's kind of going with like, you know, Amazon and Uber and things like that. And I'm like, probably someone's going to figure out a way to make training online so available to everybody that that's going to be maybe the only thing that people will do. Oh, I don't know. I, I still think um, that one-on-one experience, I don't know. I just think it's uh, like I, I have my training certification and I still use a personal trainer. So Yeah, um, definitely. I, you know, and I just think that's there's something to that. I don't know. I, you know, I've tried uh, tapes and videos and things like that. I mean, for me personally, I mean, obviously a lot of people are, you know, some people, for example, love to go to a gym. Some people like to work at home. Um, I'm one of those people that like to go to the gym. So, you know. Yeah, that just appeals to me to kind of be in that atmosphere. So definitely, yeah, because like all my clientele—they're probably thirty-five or older—and they would never want right. to do anything online. But thinking about like this next generation coming up, like especially the millennials, where they're a little bit more introverted, I could see them like going on an app instead and not talking to anybody. But I don't know it's going to be interesting in the next like ten years. What's going to happen? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So let's go on to the whole big topic that I was hoping to talk about is binge eating. Can you tell the audience like what it is and why should people care about it? Okay. Um, Binge eating, um, I guess you could call it a specific eating disorder. Like it is defined by the American Psychiatric Association. Um, They define it as recurring episodes of eating significantly more food in a short period of time than most people would eat under similar circumstances with episodes marked by feelings of lack of control. Someone with binge eating disorder may eat too quickly, even when he or she is not hungry. The person may have feelings of guilt, embarrassment, or disgust, and may binge eat alone to hide the behavior. This disorder is associated with marked distress and occurs on average at least once a week over three months. So that's, that's the official definition. And, you um, that? <laughs> I, you know, I, I actually, no, I actually hadn't printed it out in front of me because okay, I knew you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that, it doesn't really matter, right? It, it, it's, yeah. um, it's people who overeat a lot. They tend to check out. Um, they finish and they're very upset about it. Um, it's very distressing. Um, unfortunately, what happens as a result, um, they tend to gain weight from this behavior. And then they think, well, I just need to be stricter with myself and I just need to go on a diet and I just need to get a hold of myself. And it's almost that approach that then backfires because then they start restricting calories, which then increases the urge to binge and they lose control again. And it's like a vicious, a vicious cycle. And, um, so I noticed like even within, um, you know, Georgie's team, we have clients coming in really looking for weight loss and then it, you know, it becomes clear that they're, they're having a bit of a binge eating issue and we kind of have to table weight loss, at least for the beginning to take that pressure off. Because what happens is someone binges, they eat way too much. They wake up the next morning, they feel terrible and maybe not hungry. And so they skip breakfast. Maybe they eat something very light for lunch Maybe they have dinner, but then maybe the next day they're back to feeling a tremendous pressure to binge because their their eating gets very erratic and uh, kind of a feast or famine. So your bo- their body never knows when it's when the next meal is coming, and it kind of keeps that those urges coming. So um, anyway, regardless of how long it is, how many how many times they have, they have it a week, or the severity of it, if it's a behavior that's disturbing to someone or someone wants to work on it. Uh, whether or not it meets the definition doesn't really matter, but that's something that we would want to work on together. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. The thing that really is in common with pretty much everybody who has this issue is some history, you know, of dieting and restriction um, and the different things that have happened in their lives that have kind of led them to this. And we kind of need to get them more on an even eating pattern as like a first step. With the clients that you work with, do they like say they sign up do they up and tell you right there and then that, hey, I'm a binge eater? Or do you have to almost like pry it open? Or do they have kind of small clues that you could pick up on? You know, by the time they come to me, um, they're often um, quite knowledgeable. Like they, they, were, they know they have this issue and they may have tried to solve it one way or another way or they've read some books. Um, they, you know, it's rare that someone comes and doesn't know they have this issue, um, at least at this level. Now, you may be working at the gym right next to someone who has a binge eating disorder and you would never know, right? And yeah. you might have to pry it out of them. Um, it just happens that in this case, because they're kind of signing up for coaching and they're signing up for eating and uh, we, you know, we ask them also as part of like an initial assessment about their eating habits. 
and it would become clear through that. But yeah, so far I haven't had a case where someone comes in and all of a sudden like, oh, you have a binge problem. No, it's it's been something they've been kind of upfront with from the beginning because that's usually what kind of brought them there, that they're distressed by this. They don't know how to stop it. And it's it's terrible because it, it is the people who, um, you know, really have high standards for themselves and have had had maybe some success with dieting in the past. So they have, you know, they're very conscientious and um, and then they have this behavior that um, almost that that conscientiousness almost backfires where every time they try to hold themselves back from doing this thing, it, it happens more. So um, that's when, you know, people reach out for help, which is wonderful. You know, they're not alone. This is the most common eating disorder. Um, people estimate it's anywhere from one to 5% of the population. Um, it's, I guess, more women, but also a significant portion of men as well. So, um, so the first thing is, you know, you're not alone. This is common and it's not that easy just to break it on your own either. Um, cause some of the things you need to do sometimes aren't the most intuitive. Um, if you just, you, I think the most natural thing to do is if you were doing this would be think, I just need to control myself better. I just need to stop eating or I, you know, kind of whip myself into shape type thing. And, um, that tends to backfire. Yeah, I think you touched on um, the high standard thing. Because like, when I think about that, you see a lot of people who go into like the bodybuilding world and things like that, where they eat so clean all year round. And then when they finish their competition, they'll go and have a huge feast of like eating a whole cheesecake to themselves because they can finally do that. And then they gain all this weight after their competition. And then like psychologically, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe... I gained so much weight and then they go right back into the cycle of going into another competition and they're always like setting the standard even higher and higher because they want to get leaner and stronger and look better on stage. And then they go back into that cycle of eating like crap for a month and maybe disappearing from the gym and things like that. Right. And that, and that is a way that some people, you know, this, this comes out that this happens. They kind of they not everybody, but some people, this does trigger that kind of behavior um, you know, I've had other clients even doing some intermittent fasting, which similar type thing, like kind of like, you know, feast or famine, um, and that also triggering, you know, binge urges. Um, some of the good news is if it's something that came on more recently, you know, based on some food restriction that you're doing, um, perhaps it's not as deep seated. And when, when you get back to a regular eating pattern, it's, it kind of subsides, um, some people start off with, you know, various eating disorders since like teenage years that just kind of morph from one type to another. And there might be more, um, deep seated issues there, but not always. Um, but just saying that, yeah, that certainly is a scenario that could set you up for that. Definitely. Yeah. And I also find for like women when they're growing up, like all the media that's out there, you can like go to a grocery store and look at every front page of every women's magazine. And there's at least one big blurb about how to lose that last 10 pounds. And it's almost like a mind game that now all these women are programmed to always think like, Oh, I always need to lose 10 pounds. I always need to try a diet if I don't feel the greatest about myself. Right. Certainly the standards for leanness have really um, gotten even more extreme, right? It's just, uh, and now it's like a gym leanness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you go to a gym and it's not just to kind of get healthy. It's like you have to have a six pack or, you know, or you're, you're not worth anything. Um, I have a lot of clients that are actually quite, quite athletic and they're hanging out with other people and, um, you know, you get in that body comparison, 
you know, I want to not, you know, we all have different shapes and, and different ways we carry our weight. And, um, it can be very discouraging if you can't fit that mold that, and, and maybe it's not a very realistic <laughs> ideal, but yeah. it, it seems like it's, it's right there all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people what? don't, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say like a lot of people like, yeah, they'll compare themselves to other people that are really fit and have like the great genetics and they want to look exactly like they do, but they don't really know what the cost that's involved to actually look like that. Like one, right. you're not eating to enjoy food. You're, you're eating just to get your macros in perfectly and nothing tastes great. You're not drinking or going to any kind of social events and you can enjoy like a bottle of wine with your significant other or anything like that and do that for a full year and then you can look photo shoot ready. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, you know, I'll tell you, um, you know, I was not immune to that idea either of just wanting to have that body. And um, I'll tell you through coaching, it's completely taken that pressure away <laughs> from myself. Because I, I see what people go through and how they hang on every last pound. And it's it just became so clear. Like, oh no, this isn't this is not a good idea. Like just, you know, um you can see how it can get it, it's just too much. You know, it's just it's just too much. And I just see the the stress it causes and the, you know, the upset. And it's like, no, no, no. This is this those five pounds. You know, yes, if you're if you're in that field and that's something you love to do and you're competing and everything's awesome, wonderful, but for many people it's just it's just too much. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, there's a couple um now fitness models I've seen on Instagram where they'll actually take a photo of like say their abs where it looks perfectly and all the shadows and lighting and the filters perfect and then like side right. by side they're actually like sitting down to show that hey, I'm actually a normal person. It's just the angle you take the photo and people kind of yes. don't ever think about that. Like, you know, standing up, you're going to look a little bit better. And if you get the right lighting and if you have a tan and everything like that, it's like the small little things will add up, but everybody's kind of almost in the same boat where they always want to look better and feel better and they'll do everything they can, even if it's bad for their body to look better. Right. Right. And, and I really appreciate it when people kind of do what you were saying in terms of kind of you know, saying, Hey, I don't like, I look like this all the time. And it is certain lighting and certain, you know, it kind of makes it more realistic for people. I think that's really wonderful. And certainly, you know, bodybuilders are not always at their competition weight, right? No. <laughs> we, only, we see those pictures. So, um, yeah, it's like an unrealistic goal. Yeah. Like I uh, usually tell clients a story that one bodybuilder that, um, at my big box gym, he would walk around in his non-competition weight at like, I think it was like 250 or 260 but then when he was competing he was at 205 like he was a completely different person and he's like yeah I have two sets of clothes I have fat clothes and lean clothes <laughs> but yeah. like every yeah. day he would just be at like that 250 260 weight and he's like you know I know I'm only gonna look really really great on stage once to twice a year and I don't look like that all the time right right yeah um the idea of like the um, habit approach when it comes to nutrition, like I absolutely love and that's what I always try to tell my clients. But the funny thing is like because it's so simple, they think it's not going to work. So then they'll go research online to find like a detox diet or some sort of like extreme diet I've never even heard of. 
And because it has like something new that they've never heard of, they think that's like their gateway into losing that 10 pounds that they could never do. And I just find it so like interesting that, you know, we're giving them like research based like steps that are proven to work. It's a little harder and takes practice, but they rather go through suffering than, you know, doing something slow and steady to win the race. You know, um, it's funny because even within my own household, <laughs> my husband will be <laughs> online and he'll be watching some infomercial on the computer and being like, well, what do you think about this? If I, the, you know, it's a problem in these, you know, this one, it's a problem. I ate tomatoes and the tomatoes are causing a problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it, they're surrounded by misinformation. It's, it's, um, it's terrible. And I mean, my husband's a real foodie. He loves, you know, I'm surrounded by like home cooked Italian food. So you can imagine and he just signed up for Metafast. And I'm like, all right, you got your box of freeze-dried stuff that you're going to add water to. <laughs> like, if you really think this is going to last? And of course not. But I think, unfortunately, you know, I know for me, it's like it wasn't until I went through a number of approaches of quite a few times when the wisdom of this approach made, you know, just this made so much sense. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it, it's hard. It's, it's not everybody. It, it's, it's hard to necessarily communicate because it's... it's um, you know, we have to call it something else like the habits challenge or, you know, <laughs> the 20 day, the 20 day skills challenge or something like that yeah. to kind of get some people. So, yeah, like uh, over, over the years, like in the past, if a client told me that, you know, they're doing this extreme diet to lose weight, I would try to educate them as much as possible that it's probably not a good idea. You're probably going to gain all the weight back when you finish because you're going to go back to your regular habits. But now right. I look at it like, this is the first time they're really interested in changing their nutrition and changing their lifestyle. So even if they lose like, yeah, 10 pounds, as long as I can prepare them on, you know, day 31 when they finish their 30 day shred diet, whatever the hell it is, and make the transition to normal eating, maybe with that 10 pounds that they lost, they got super motivated and now they're ready to take on anything that you give them. Right. Right. That's, that's, um, not a bad way to go. I mean, it's, you know, it's not always like to, you know, if someone really wants to do something, the best approach on is let's debate them, right? Yeah. Um, support them in that approach and then be ready, like you said, when they're ready to kind of return to more normal eating behavior. And then you have the tools that, that you know, are going to work. Um, it's not a bad strategy. Yeah. Um, the other question I've been asking a lot of people on my show is that with the amount of crappy information out there that people fall into all the time do you think as an industry for fitness and health we're failing the general public to actually give them the right information um yes <laughs> yes <laughs> okay. um i mean you know it's funny i came into this like you know with my engineering background right and i was just not even aware of where to get the right information even for exercise for any of this stuff Mm-hmm. Um, what I, the only thing I was aware of was just what was on a, in a magazine. Right. And, you know, my goodness, the stuff in there is, is kind of ridiculous often. Um, so I think we are, I don't know how to solve it because, um, you know, given capitalism and you know, everybody out there trying to make money on all kinds of schemes, it's, it's a lot of chatter out there. And, uh, I don't know what the answer is, um, other than, and, you know, keep putting out the good word and uh, people, you know, eventually will start to hear it. I know even with um, the stuff we do, you know, some of it's just even, you know, word of mouth and, and podcasts and things like that. And, 
you know, you gradually attract at least a decent number of people um, to a different cause. So yeah, it's it's not easy. There's, I mean, I you know, I really wanted to learn things before I kind of got into this field, and it was not apparent to me where to even go, like where to get that information. Yeah. It's it's tough. Like you would have to find like one person that's really into the industry, and then you start looking up all the mutual friends that he or she follows, and you're like, oh, I'm on a good track. And then that's how I did it. Like you find one person, and then they're connected to so many other people, and you're like, oh, I finally found all the great information I need. Right, right. Now you have trusted sources, but in the beginning, like I would kind of buy into something, and then then find out later it was completely debunked. And I was yeah. so embarrassed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you go through that a couple of times and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm really skeptical and now I'm going to be much more careful about who I listen to. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's. I was going to say, I think the one way to do it, like, you'd almost have to make it cheesy, but bear with me with this one. Have you ever seen the Facebook ad for the Kino body? I haven't. All right, so it's like That's a... <laughs> It's like a coach probably that's between the age of 25 and 29, shirtless, of course, super ripped. And he made a Facebook video ad where he one rented out like a giant mansion, a bunch of models and a Lamborghini. And it's like a one minute video of him like walking through this mansion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I saw him on a home show, like a real estate show. <laughs> yeah. So like he, he's, he's like, blowing up quite yes. a bit and I've looked into the program like it's a basic like upper and body upper body lower body split. He talks about intermittent fasting and yeah, I get to eat protein and vegetables whatever. It's not like anything groundbreaking, but he knew exactly how to get to so many people and he had decent information and I'm like someone in our industry needs to have a giant budget like that and actually give out the best information out there. Because like that That's like, video, like a Trojan horse, right? Yeah, like, essentially. They're getting right? one thing, they're getting something else. Yeah. Because people always fall for those gimmicks. Like, you know, how many times people like, was it 10 years ago when they're sitting in front of the TV and they see the P90X commercial, they're like, oh my God, that's what's going to change my life. And everybody bought that program. And I don't know how many people actually did the full 90 or 120 days that the program was about, but the marketing for that was so great that made so many people yes. buy into it. So I, I think yeah. that'd be one way to get people the right information. Right. Right. You know? I, I, yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's a frustrating thing. Cause like when I meet people in public and they're like, Oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a training coach. They're like, Oh, so what do you think of like the acai berry that Dr. Oz was talking about? Like the supplement. I'm like, oh well, my gosh. And, and I, I tell people all the time, like, if it really works, then there wouldn't be anybody who's obese. Everyone would be super lean and walking around and happy. And they're like, but oh it's my like, goodness. <laughs> I, yeah. I started there. Okay. You know, I was home with my toddlers. Okay. Watching, you know, Dr. <laughs> yeah. Oz and he would recommend, you know, Chinese berry extract, blah, blah, blah. And I would write it down and then be like, Oh, this must be the thing. And then the next day he'd be toting something completely different. Like, Oh, okay. Write that one down. Yeah. And the next day it would be something. <laughs> it was like, wow, like there is no synthesis or anything for any of the information he's putting out. It's just random stuff. Like, try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. And um, yeah, it became quite clear very quick because I took it, I took him seriously at the start, you know, yeah. and then uh, took some notes and realized, oh my goodness, this is completely going nowhere and uh, really frustrating. Did you ever so, say that he actually got into like a giant federal lawsuit between all those 
Perhaps. allegations, yeah. But then after that first initial story, they never talked about it, so I'm still kind of interested to see if he won or lost. <laughs> mm, I don't remember. I, yeah, I don't remember what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, he's... Um, I've been there. I did that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so going back to binge eating, we went like all over the place. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> do you think anything like say stress or depression is linked to binge eating? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the like one question is which came first, you know, um, certainly yeah. it can be at the same time. Um, sometimes I'll have clients that um, are working with a therapist or psychiatrist at the same time, if that's an issue. Um, but uh, one thing I did want to mention, too, is, um, you know, there's some sense that th- there's a lot of, you know, back and forth also in, in this field in terms of people saying, oh, you're binge eating because you, ha- you have emotional problems. And then other people saying, no, no, you're binge eating because you were very good at, at finding a way to restrict your diet, <laughs> okay? And when you did that, that may have led to those other problems. Um, have you heard of that Ansel Keys semi-starvation study? Um, um, I might have. I might have. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I can't remember. All right, let me just bring it up because sure. this is just one argument. You know, just, just one aspect of it. Um, during World War II... I guess there were mass populations in Europe and Asia that were facing starvation. And there were some questions as to what was the best way to treat people who were starving and best way to refeed them in a healthy way. And they were conducting these experiments at the University of Minnesota where they allowed guys, instead of going into the army, they, they volunteered for this study. And they screened these men. They had to be like, you know, they were young guys and they had to be very, you know, very healthy and fit and, um, no psychological problems and so forth. And so they ended up with um, 36 men and they put them on a diet of approximately 15 to 1600 calories a day for six months. So they all were losing quite a bit of weight. And, but the strange thing was, was the behaviors that came out of that. Um, They had incessant thoughts of food and eating, which is not surprising, but also, um, you know, I guess they were still in their homes, so or had jobs, and uh, they had you know repeated episodes of binge eating, and then afterwards having tremendous self-reproach over it, um, emotional disgust based on what happened. Um, even when they were um, refed at the end of the program, a number of them continued to binge eat. Um, one thing that was really kind of striking was they had a very distorted body image. They felt they were overweight, even though they were quite gaunt, you know. They thought the people that were conducting the experiments looked fat to them and were, like, unaware of how they looked. And they even complained that they felt fat. So it's like you hear that expression, right? I feel fat. And uh, to me, think about these, like, men in 1950 who were probably, you know, lost quite a bit of weight saying they felt fat. So... That was just, that's just one way to look at it in terms of um, how some very strange behaviors and, and behaviors have a lot in common with many eating disorders were just coming from restricted food. So um, that's certainly one aspect of it. Um, not not really the only aspect of it, but um, one way to look at it. Like, you know, now many of them are also depressed you know, afterwards. So the question was, were they depressed? They, they were not depressed before they started this diet. Um, it was more of an after effect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gets you on that, that kind of the chicken and the egg type thing. 
binging. But then there are things that maybe start you binging, and then there are things that keep it going. Um, find like uh, body image also has a lot to do with it. If people feel upset with how they look, um, if they make a mistake, let's say, in what they're eating, they're more likely then to binge. If they're feeling good about themselves at the time and they make a mistake, then they just chalk it up to, oh, no big deal. It's just, um, it's a lot of, a lot of things come into play. Um, and there are a lot of factors, I guess, you know, what we tend to do is the first thing is, um, take the restriction, the dietary restriction off the table. Like, let's just get on a regular eating pattern, you know, you know, uh, with lean habits, we kind of recommend eating three to four times a day with this. We're kind of, we kind of take it a step back and say, your eating behavior has been so erratic, we need to kind of smooth it out first before we do something like that. So we recommend people eat like five to six times a day on a regular schedule to try to, you know, and, and really eating at maintenance to get that, that physiological urge to binge, to subside. And many people right away feel a tremendous relief, like that preoccupation with food um, subsides. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of the first things that we look to do. And then um, the second thing is um, what happens is with binges is you kind of get this urge to eat and it can become this like intense debate in yourself. Like, oh, I want more. No, don't do it. I want more. (laughs) And and people kind of fight with themselves and it becomes a very distressing thing. Am I going to binge? No, don't binge. Um, And I think, I mean, I can identify that with even just emotional eating. You know, I want to go eat everything in my pantry. No, I don't. (laughs) I do. Yeah. so you have these urges and they can feel very powerful. And sometimes people just to get rid of the stress of debating it, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and binge. And so by eating on a regular basis, you take a lot of the pressure off. And then when the person ha- still has these urges, we can work on ways to address them in a way that's maybe now more likely to succeed because that pressure has been taken off. And, and things like, you know, we got to put decision-making back in the prefrontal cortex, right? So it's kind of like anything we can do to, um, kind of first acknowledge what's happening. It's just a sensation. Um, no one's making me do anything and nothing harm, no harm is going to come to me because I'm having this urge. And then even just something as simple as, um, setting a timer for 20 minutes, maybe having a list of activities that you like to do that are a bit engaging, maybe take a walk around the block, um, do some yoga, um, you know, whatever it is, you, you try to work with people to come with a list of things and go do that and then see where you are at the end of the 20 minutes. And sometimes like just saying, I'm going to wait 20 minutes doesn't seem like that biggest step. So people are willing to do it. And they'll often find at the end of the 20 minutes, that urge is significantly reduced. Now they may have an option to set the timer again, if they still feel the urge or, you know, any attempt at this point to kind of delay it and give yourself a chance to think about it, um, without just kind of reacting tends to help people kind of get out of that, you know, giving into the urge. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting, so, um, like the whole idea of like binging, cause especially in the fitness industry, like that whole idea of having like a cheat day to allow yourself to like, yeah. have some breathing room and, you know, right. you'll have someone eating clean Monday through Friday, Saturday rolls around. And they're like, yes, I can finally just like gorge on all the things I want. And then Sunday rolls around and you feel like crap. And then Monday rolls around and you're like, when is it Saturday again? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like 
anytime an eating plan mimics an eating disorder, I, you know, alarm bells go off in me, you know, it's like even things like, um, you know, when, when kind of disordered eating is called delayed eating where you just eat all your calories late in the day. And it's not something I, I don't think most people would even think as an eating disorder and, it's just, you know, when I kind of read about that, I was like, wow, you know, a lot of people skip breakfast or they, you know, they say they're not hungry and they eat very much later. It's almost like any eating pattern to me that kind of fall, you know, sounds really like something that causes other people a lot of trouble. It's just like a lot of alarm bells go off. Um, I'm not going to say everyone's going to have a problem. Um, certainly some people seem to manage it, but um, this, this kind of behavior does lead to eating disorders. So yeah, like there's a bit a f- of a force of scale. Yeah. There's a few examples I can think of that kind of fall into that. Like, I don't know if you've ever read that uh, the Four Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. I think I have. I honestly don't remember much about it, but <laughs> I was on a kick where I read a bunch of his books. Yeah. Yeah, like he the diet. I think they call it like the slow carb diet. But oh, basically, Festivus, right? Festivus wasn't that when he was like declared one day you eat whatever you want. Yeah, essentially. Right? Um, but again, like I get that. Like you can eat clean for so much and then have a big binge fest. But I, I don't personally, I like, I would not feel comfortable giving that to clients cause then so many things can go wrong. And then there's another book called, um, engineering the alpha male and it's written by John Romanello and like smart guy. Like he's the guy to go see if you're a guy and trying to build muscle and in the diet program, it's like, yeah, you're eating nice and clean. Like, you're following your macros and then I think you have every two weeks or every third week you have one day where you just eat whatever you want and then the next day you're doing a 24-hour fast and then you go back to your normal eating and I'm like this is a pretty advanced like diet for someone who would be like on top of everything and not feel the need to like fall into a cycle of just binge eating for a whole week and then they're like oh crap this program doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, that, that kind of scares the hell out of me, honestly, something, you know, I would feel I have ethical issues <laughs> recommending yeah. that to anybody. Um, yeah, it's just, oof. like I, like for the average um, person, if they saw that, they'd be like, yeah, this is what I need. And they try it. They'll probably fail miserably and just fall off the wagon. But maybe like someone who has a bodybuilding experience. The best thing that could happen, the best thing that could yeah, the best thing that could happen to them is to fall off the wagon in that case, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> if they're really successful at it, there could be there could be a real problem, and that, that I do see that happen. I mean, I do get people that come out of things like that that then you know who never had an eating disorder now have an eating disorder. Um, so it's I guess I would say if if someone were to do something like that, they should really you know be careful and you know see if they have any tendency to do if this is starting to slip into something else, you know, I hate to criticize what other people are recommending, but, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of scary. Yeah. Like I like doing self-experimentation. So I actually put myself through that. And the one thing that I noticed is like, I was so miserable doing it. And I'm like, man, on Sunday, I can't eat at all. All I want to do is eat. That's all. Like I thought about it. It was like more mental toughness than anything else. Like, I'm pretty, like, if someone gave me something to follow, then I can just hit that from A to Z, no problem. But with this thing, it was like, on that Sunday, I was like, oh, I really want to eat, but I can't. So I guess I'm going to have water. (laughs) 
and, then, and then it's like, why? You yeah. know, why, why? It's you know, like, it's, and plus, it's it's like, all right, so you have these people who are really going for these, um, you know, competition bodies, but then you kind of the general population kind of wanting to emulate that, and then perhaps following some of these protocols that are, you know, really not necessary. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I have clients too that just like you know, um, for years, you know, would go to restaurants with their family and order, you know, plain chicken and. St- steamed broccoli while everybody else was enjoying what was on the menu and, you know, carrying Tupperwares to events. I'm not saying that makes no sense, but not, maybe not for everyone. And, uh, many people come to us because they want to learn how to eat normal food again and just be able to enjoy it without, you know, gaining weight and, um, you know, finding tremendous freedom again and their family really appreciating it as well. Yeah. Now, did you ever work with a client that would binge on, say, alcohol, for example? Um, I've had, I've found alcohol um, in many, I, you know, I haven't attracted people specifically for binge drinking of alcohol, but certainly drinking alcohol for many people leads to binging. Okay. Um, I've had clients that usually we find like kind of a limit, like after two drinks, like three drinks, um, three or more. Um, they often find themselves then, uh, some people call it drunk eating, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah. stopping off somewhere and, and buying a ton of food. And, um, often we'll find that if you kind of set, you know, a couple things like a reasonable amount to drink, then it doesn't happen. So they can kind of still enjoy their social life. Um, but also many people that I work with are people who like to work out and are very fit. And they're finding that when they, you know, do have quite a few number, you know, numbers of drinks. They, they don't feel well the next day. And, um, I had one client who had a heart rate variability monitor and, you know, I guess it was showing the effects and that really brought it home to him that, Oh, you know, I'm having this, these drinks and it is affecting my body. I can see it right here in the measurements. So that was interesting. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely alcohol, um, definitely can be a factor. Yeah. Cause I remember, um, one actually it was a couple that I used to train and we had like an intake form anytime you um started training a new client and one of the questions is like you know how much like ounces or a camera if it was ounces or cups how much like alcohol you're drinking per week and it was like in the nutrition section and for the guy he was drinking he put down one and a half bottles of wine and I'm like okay maybe that's like through the week so I like asked him like, is that per week? Or are you sharing it with your wife? He's like, no, no, it's per night for myself. I'm like, oh my God, man. Like, that's a lot. And just like, aside from alcohol, just thinking about the calories that you're consuming, you could be doing everything right other than drinking and you're still going to gain weight and or maybe just maintain your weight. You're never going to lose weight. Like, it just like astonishes me like that people can do that and complain that, oh, this stuff is not working for me. Yeah, separate from binge eating, I mean, I've I've had just regular weight loss clients, people that do a lot of socializing, you know, they go out to dinner many times a week, and at those meals, it's like the normal thing is to, you know, have a cocktail before, two glasses of wine with your dinner, Um, and, you know, you do that four times a week, um, it's not so easy to uh, lose weight. Yeah, given everything else you might be doing might be kind of spot on, and I have to say, I have to find, I find that particular issue to be one of the trickiest. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's easier. I don't know. I found you know cutting back on uh, food issues like um, even you know chocolate or cookies or cakes and stuff like that. That's tricky enough, but drinks are are even harder. Yeah. 
How do you um, um, like help people to kind of realize that maybe we should like cut back a little bit without kind of crossing any borders where they feel threatened? If you have mm, any idea to do that, yeah, with alcohol. You know, I don't have a huge amount of experience with this particular case. I mean, uh, I've had a couple people that have had issues, and honestly, the one that I'm thinking of in my mind right now, you know, it got to the point where. Uh, this person was, you know, pretty close to goal weight. It wasn't like they were overweight or anything like that. And to me, like to get to that next level, that would be kind of where would would have to be tackled. And um, she'd be successful at certain times, you know, maybe for a week here and there, and kind of see the effect that, you know, yes, she would start to lose some weight. But it got to the point where um, I don't think she was willing to do it. And uh, you know, we kind of got at an impasse at some point. And I said, well, maybe if you're not willing to do that, maybe another way to approach it, you know, she was an exerciser, but not like an intense exerciser. It's like, well, maybe you want to just work more on weight training because you'll appreciate your physique maybe because she was very much into looking better. Um, So maybe just adding more of that in as opposed to cutting back wine. But yeah, that was not going to be something that was, we didn't get to a solution um, in this particular case. But it's not like I've had like lots and lots of this. I've had other clients that have just kind of recognized what was going on and, and kind of cut back. And in those cases, they were people who tended to binge eat. Maybe then the stakes were even higher for them, so they were willing to make the change uh, to say. I have one client that not intentionally but just realized, he says, I, you know, I haven't had a drink in four months. So that happens too, or it just becomes not worth it. Yeah, a couple of things like, I've done with clients, like for an example for wine – I would always just ask them, like, were you willing to, like, cut down one glass per week? And usually they're like, yeah, that's fine. So it's like a, like, right. little, like a little win. I'm like, at least we got that. And then I found another way for guys who like beer. I'm like, if they're drinking a lot, what I tell them to do is put your beer outside of the fridge so it's warm. And when you really want a beer, put, like, the whole six-pack into the fridge and wait for it to cool down. And if you still want it, then, yeah, go for it. But by the time they're waiting, like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, they're like, yeah, screw it. I'm not having a beer. <laughs> right, right, right. And, I, you know, we try things like drink a glass, you know, order water at the same time as you drink, you know, alternate glasses of water with alcohol. You know, try to try to drink it more slowly, savor it. Um, like you said, kind of gradual reductions doesn't need to be, you know, or just um, – you know, this one person had a week where every night she was out and it was like, well, think of this as boot camp week. Let's see what we can do. Like each night will be like a, a practice session. Like what do we want to try to do tonight? You know? Um, so some success, but it, it does because it does come down to a point with people, right. Where they have a certain lifestyle yeah. and if they modify that lifestyle, they can get, you know, more, get leaner, let's say, but there's a trade off and, you know, it depends on where that trade off is with the person. Do you have any tips for people who do eat out, like say their job is they have to entertain clients and they're going out to eat every day almost during the week? Like, What do you suggest clients like that do? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, this could, this could go on and on, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes you might know the restaurants already, like if they're a chain restaurant, you know, you could even look up some of the nutrition information, like if it becomes something you're doing all the time. Like I've even had clients who like are working in an area and they tend to do a lot of takeout. And it might be quote unquote healthy takeout. And I've even looked at menus with them to try to pick things that were, you know, not too bad. Um, but in general, it's like, you know, you try to fill up on some 
you know, if you can get some vegetables in with your meal. Uh, oftentimes we talk about like a half time strategy, like divide your plate in half, eat the first half. And when you get to the halfway point, just check in with yourself. Cause sometimes we're just so busy with the talking and the socializing, we forget how much we've eaten right until you stand up at the end and you go, Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the halfway point, like take a break and say, how full am I? Maybe I'm done. Right. And, or maybe you say, oh, I could eat a little bit more, and you kind of look at the rest of your plate and kind of make a strategy, like, I'm just going to eat, you know, a quarter of what's left or whatever. So at least it's a mindful thing. You're not just, um, so you're kind of checking in to see, did I get to the eating just enough? Like, is this just the, the appropriate amount and not just kind of going for it? But even things like um, appetizers or bread baskets and things like that, like, that would be my downfall. You know, someone puts a basket of tortilla chips in front of me. <laughs> It's very easy to just to keep going at it, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's funny, like even just pushing it to the other side of the table, you know, putting the little carousel that has like the hot sauces on it between you and the chips, <laughs> like, <laughs> even like silly things like that, you know, can, can work and be helpful. So, uh, yeah, sometimes just even going in with a, a mindset of what, you know, what you're going to try to, how you're going to approach it, it, it helps. Um, I, I had once had a time when I first started working with Georgie, I was going to a barbecue restaurant and I'm like, what am I going to eat? You know? And I even put it out like on our private Facebook group. I said, I was looking for suggestions and people had all kinds of suggestions and I had all kinds of ideas and we get to the place and the wait is like an hour and a half. And my husband was sure that, you know, there's never wait at this place. <laughs> so, so we were like, oh no, now what? And so we're walking around the city trying to find a place to eat. We ended up at a tapas place. But because I had given so much thought to the fact of like what I was going to eat that night, my mind was just on point, right? Mm-hmm. So when I went to this other restaurant, even though it wasn't what the one I had planned for, I was just so much more careful and aware and mindful of what I was doing. And I have to say, when I walked out of there, I felt really good. I didn't feel like I overindulged. So, you know, forethought helps as well. Yeah, I also find for restaurants, it's like also the portion sizes. Because here in Canada, like the portion sizes are so much smaller than in the States. Because I think uh, there was one time when I went to like the Cheesecake Factory and like I ordered fish tacos. And it comes out and there's like six of them. I'm like, holy crap, like this is a lot of food. And then you come to Canada and you order fish tacos, they give you two, right? Wow. And I have, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but I, I have well, a that, couple of, kind of, sorry? That, I mean, that's kind of where the halftime strategy comes in, because sometimes half is enough, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, US, yeah. With U.S. portions, half can be enough. Yeah, like I have clients that travel to the States for work, and I'm like, just be careful when you go to the restaurant, because they're so much bigger. Like you don't have to eat the whole thing, eat half, and then you can save the other half for like the next day and you're good to go. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, go on. Some people are more aware of like what could be in their food and others, you know, like I, I'm aware that you could order a chicken Caesar salad and have it be 3000 calories, you know, (laughs) whereas some people might, some people might say, Oh, it's salad, you know? So some of that's education too, that people kind of understand, like you take some of the places they like to go to and kind of give them a sense of, you know, what it is that they could be eating. And so I, you know, it also helps you order things that you kind of know what's in it. Like you can kind of tell. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like there's some dishes, obviously you would order and have no idea how they were prepared yeah, until, you know, you just don't know. But other dishes you order where, you know, it's like broiled fish with a salad with this much dressing, you know, you kind of have a sense of it. Sure. Yeah. Especially in restaurants, it's like they're there to make the food taste as best as possible so you know for sure they're going to use 
as much salt as possible, as much butter as possible, as much oil as possible to make it delicious. Oh, yeah. I had a meal um, like last weekend and I took half of it home. That was really good. <laughs> and then I went to eat it the next day and I um, I just ate it cold. It was like a sandwich. And um, I didn't realize it when the fat had congealed <laughs> how fatty it was. Yeah. You know, when I ate it at the restaurant, it just tasted really delicious and moist yeah. and yummy. You know, and the next day I'm like, wow. You know, that great. <laughs> it was so apparent. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so we're coming up to an hour and man, these things always go so fast. (laughs) Um, so if you can tell everybody, um, where they can find you online, if you have any projects coming up, anything big coming out of one by one nutrition, anything like that. Um, I guess, you know, the first place to go would be, uh, one by one nutrition.com. And that's where they can find well, actually one by yeah one by one nutrition.com. They can find all of us and the various uh, types of coaching is available because we have uh, kind of like a group coaching, then group coaching with a coach, and then we also have one to one coaching as well. Um, I'm trying to work on some um, materials for the site specifically addressing binge eating but mostly I'm I'm doing that now primarily on a one-on-one basis it's kind of um an important enough of an issue I think it kind of merits kind of one-to-one coaching I mean, we're going to try to make it more available perhaps in group and so forth just for economic reasons for people um so that's something I'm working on to try to you know get it down more on paper so people can have access to it so that that's that's where I'm currently working, and um, but right now we're doing it more in a uh, one-to-one coaching environment. And I'll tell you, um, you know, for everyone is everyone's a little bit different. And like you know, like it's one thing to go to a gym, and it's another thing to go to a gym and have a personal trainer yeah. kind of helping. Um, everyone's got different issues, and um, I find often working with folks, it's ways to find to make things easier for them. Like kind of set the bar so it's achievable and make those, you know, incremental steps to success. Um, that's kind of where it's at. And I, you know, so I, I kind of recommend that if, if binge eating is an issue for someone that they consider, um, one-to-one coaching at this point, um, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and all the rest of the, um, you know, the normal like weight loss type coaching is, um, highly available, you know, group form and group form with coaching and so forth at one by one. Perfect. So I want to thank you for all your time and all of this was really awesome. Okay. It was my pleasure. All right. So that's going to wrap up episode 32 with Mary Claire. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one and really maybe even go listen to this one again because binge eating is something that I've struggled with throughout my whole life being in this industry, always trying to perfect my body and, you know, have this high standard on how I'm supposed to look and, you know, going through such a rigorous like training schedule and eating so clean, eventually your mind just goes, fuck this. I want to go eat a whole pizza. And then you feel like shit the next day. And then you're working even harder in the gym the next week. And it's just a vicious cycle. So if you need help, you know, feel free to reach out. Feel free to go go check out Mary Claire's stuff on onebyonenutrition.com. And again, please check out the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash cut the shit get fit. 
I will be super grateful if you guys can support me. And until next week, we'll uh, chat soon.